Smith is ready. Wynn waiting to pitch. There's a drive, right center field, base hit, and there with it! Oh, Ducker! You can hang a star on that, baby! A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn, number 3,000! I only know one way, that's the Padre way. All right, I wore brown, I wore the brown and gold, I wore the blue and orange. Now, I, I didn't get a chance to wear the sand and whatever color blue you want to call that, but um, I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team, I played in one town. And welcome back, everybody, to a somber opening to the 5.5 podcast. You just heard, by far, my favorite Padre call of all time. Uh, we are back here the day after our beloved Tony Gwynn's uh, would-be 57th birthday. So what we want to do here to open it up, no jokes, no funny business yet. Uh, we're going to take about 5-10 seconds for a moment of silence uh, for the greatest athlete in San Diego history. All right, so that was our, our moment of silence for good old 19. We missed you dearly, Tony. Never met you, uh, but uh, he's probably the only person I'll ever know of where uh, when he passed away, I felt like like a part of me went with him. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, it's, it's when someone dies you've never met before and you feel so much pain and, and hurt and loss. It's yeah. like, it, it was kind of weird because yesterday was his birthday and it kind of brought back those feelings and it was... It, it sucked, dude. Like, yeah. knowing that he's gone, it's... I've never met him, but I, I miss having him around. I miss having him in the booth and having him around the city. Um, he was a... I mean, he he was San Diego. He was. He's a good... And he embraced it. He was... Uh, and by the way, welcome back, everybody. Your host, Danny Ortiz, alongside Eric LeBou. Uh <laughs> But, uh, no, he was... Uh, he, he very much embraced being here. Um, it's a funny story when he says he got drafted and, you know, his lines were, oh, not the goddamn brown and gold um, but it's amazing that you know he spent the major I mean he spent almost his whole life here you know he got here in college and never left and um, he very much embraced being you know the face of our city the face of uh, not just the Padres but San Diego in general was you know it's Tony Gwynn's town so uh, he was very sorely missed um, I think by everybody and uh, obviously yesterday was a, uh, a day of you know you can recollect on all your memories of Tony Gwynn but um, Poway doing a really nice thing yesterday uh, they'd been talking about it, I think, the last couple years, about getting a statue. Of course, Tony Gwynn, a, a resident of Poway for a long time. Um, I'm pretty sure his children attended the high school there. But uh, they had been working on this project for a long time, and yesterday on his birthday, how apropos, uh, the Tony Gwynn uh, Poway community statue uh, revealed yesterday. It's a gorgeous statue, if you haven't seen it, by the way. Yeah, it is. They're pretty generous. He lost a lot of weight in that statue. <laughs> <laughs> We're only going to go so long without making a joke. Uh, well, he's holding his daughter, his young, his old, his, uh, well, he only has one daughter. He's holding his daughter, and she looks like she's maybe four or five. So it makes sense, given the timeline, that he, he didn't really get too heavy until, like, the mid-90s. But, uh, yeah, he's a little slim. Um, but from a standpoint of, it's pretty cool that Tony Gwynn now has two statues when you go to the ballpark. Of course, that's probably the best statue that's out there. But you also have the nice Poway statue, which is... Uh, him holding his daughter, tipping his helmet. Um, and I think it's actually at the Poway uh, Community Park 
It's so, at Lake Poway. Lake Poway. Oh, yeah. oh, we've been there. Yeah, Lake Poway. Yeah, Eric and I have uh, taken some batting practice, uh, poor batting practice over there. So <laughs> yeah. maybe we'll go there and uh, pay homage uh, to Tony. But uh, let's revisit a couple of uh, a couple of favorite uh, Tony Gwynn moments we've talked about a ton. Do you have any in particular that we uh, haven't gone over that you wanted to share? Um, none that we haven't gone over. I mean, I think consensus our favorite is the home run off David Wells yeah, yeah, in the World that's, Series. That's awesome. And he even said that's his favorite moment playing, you know, on the diamond. But um, what I really liked about Tony was that, I mean, that call, the Jerry Coleman call, his 3,000th hit, the best. Yeah, by far. The best. Coleman, Coleman and Gwynn, basically the two staples of the Padres franchise, those are their crowning moments, and it's awesome that they're intertwined together. Yeah, it's in that call, every time I hear it, it still gives me goosebumps, even more now. Because Jerry's gone and Tony's gone, um, that was yeah. I mean, really, the World Series was cool, but his three thousandth hit was great because you're sitting there, you knew it was coming, and it's like, oh man, when's it coming? When's it coming? And then, of course, I mean, it's in Montreal, but yeah, about five hundred people there. Yeah, but man, they were in for a treat. That was that was awesome. And then I saw on Twitter yesterday, I showed you the video of his last hit that he got in the major leagues when he goes up there in uh, at Qualcomm. And the whole place is just fucking erupts. And then he's up there and he's tipping his cap, just like, hey, sit down. Yeah, he looks so humble, like, please, I, I don't deserve any of this. But again, this is the same guy who was, you know, waiting on pins and needles to see if he got the whole thing yeah. called. <laughs> yeah, talk about humility. The guy, one of the best hitters to ever do it is sitting there, and he doesn't know if he's going to make it to the Hall of Fame or not. He's, the he first seemed, Yeah, he seemed genuinely surprised that he got the call. <laughs> when I mean, we've all seen the video, and it's it's awesome. But, yeah, it's it, it was it was really cool. Um, his, I mean, his stat line, it's, it's kind of funny saying that a Hall of Famer is underrated, but I think at times you could say that Tony was underrated. Oh, I'll argue till the day I die that Tony is, is still underrated as a hitter because – People, you know, we, obviously we named the podcast after Tony, the 5.5 hole, the 5.5 podcast. I think people look at Tony as like this base hit, high contact, you know, hitter. He wasn't a contact hitter. He was a line drive doubles machine. You know, when you look at a guy, and I'm not trying to discredit Pete Rose, but when you look at a guy like Pete Rose or Rod Carew, guys like that who are those contact line drive hitters, I don't think, I know for a fact Pete Rose doesn't, and I'm pretty sure that Rod Carew doesn't either have the same power numbers that Tony Gwynn had. Now, that's a funny way to phrase it because he didn't hit a lot of home runs. But you don't slug 459 for his career. And you can correct me on that if I'm wrong. But you don't slug 459 for your career punching singles. Like, that's not a punch and Judy hitter or a singles hitter or a contact hitter. Tony sprayed line drives gap to gap. He could turn on the ball if he needed to. But he primarily hit... Uh, singles and doubles, and early on triples as well. It drives me nuts when people say that he's just a singles hitter. It's like, not true. A slap singles You're hitter. Not a, you don't slug. Four, if Tony slugged 459 right now, that would be above average slugging every single year in the current era where home runs are flying out of the ballpark. He was an above average slugger from a slugging percentage standpoint. In his heyday, and you know, in the last, what, chunk, last chunk of his career, the last five, six, seven years, we're in chunk, the steroid era. A chunk. I thought we weren't making fat jokes. Oh God, <laughs> chunk! Come on, dude. You can the, you can have a better choice of words there. The last five or so. I, yeah, I'll wait for you to drop a tobacco joke, and we'll see who's talking. No, nope, no. Nope, yeah, no. Nope, yeah, can't do it. Yeah, on air. Yeah, uh, but you know, the last five or six years of his career, you know, I think he hit three seventy two his final year. He set a career high in hits. He's doing this in the steroid era, and he's still producing above average slugging percentages. So, never just a slap hitter. Never just a contact hitter. Still wildly underrated as an overall complete hitter. Let me ask you something. Um, I mean, I've, I've, well, the last few years, 
I'll use the term lightly, but pitched. But I've I've pitched my whole life. You've pitched a little bit. Have you ever struck out Tony Gwynn? No. I don't, oh. think, I don't think many people have. I, oh. I don't strike out anybody because I don't throw strikes. That's okay. Greg Maddox didn't, didn't either. <laughs> 107 times he faced him. Uh, Gwynn hit 415 off of him. You know what? And I... never struck out against Greg fucking Maddox. Um, guy on Twitter, he puts out awesome stats. His name's Ryan Spader. Uh, you can find him at, it's at the Ace of Spader. So here's another stat. Tony Gwynn had 323 combined plate appearances against Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz, up. and Pedro. He batted 373. He only struck out three times. Glavin got him twice. <laughs> yeah. He only <laughs> struck out three times. You know, I was on a sub... That's absurd. Yeah, I was on a sub-message board and somebody was asking me who's trying to learn baseball, throw some throw some oddball stats out there, like these off-the-wall stats. So, of course, I pull a Tony Gwynn. So, just to give you an idea of how good Gwynn was, one second here. And we don't, we don't have to re- remind you guys, or we don't have to tell you how good Gwynn is, but well, yeah, it's just and the these, number, these numbers are just, they're absurd. They speak for themselves, but it's, yeah, it's, it's these, like, little, these little stats that you don't really, you know, you got to work to dig them up. Uh, but this is, this is hilarious. Tony would have needed to have gone... O for his last 1,183 for his average to dip under 300. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically O for for two years. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Two straight years yeah. of going O for. Uh, he struck out uh, more than once in a single game 34 times in 3,440 games played. And when you think about his hits, he almost had a hit a game, by the way. Yeah. I think he was at 31-30-ish. 31-41. Oh, that's close. So, yeah, almost a hit a game. Uh, he struck out 15 times in 1995. He had 535 chances to do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think he struck out only 52 times for his career, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you mentioned that uh, the against the big three from Atlanta. Here's the one I really like. Every hitter in history who has a career average as good or better than Tony, uh, 338 or better, all the, everybody but Tony's career started before 1940. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A league of his own, Mr. Tony Gwynn. Yeah, uh, he really was. And w- I was mentioned to you off air, if you had to pick a Hall of Famer to compare him to, who would you pick? I, I To be honest with you, I, I can't really, as I accidentally dialed my buddy here. Uh, hold on, let me get that call ended. Um, I, I Honestly, I, I can't really compare him to a lot of guys because there's just, like I said, he's he doesn't fall into like one like one role. He's not a slap. He's not like the leadoff guy, you know. Who gets on base, or you know, uh, you know, and just slaps the ball around. He's also not—I don't know—he's he's hard to compare. People are going to hate me for this, but from a from purely a stat line, like a, a slash line point of view, the only guy I can think of that was close to him is a Tim Raines type, just because Raines got on base a ton like Tony did, and Raines also hit for similar power numbers. Raines, I think, got on base a little bit more, hit for a little less power, obviously less average, but in terms of giving you like a complete hitter at the plate, that's really. That's really the only guy I could I could think of that was a similar player where he wasn't strictly uh, a singles hitter, but he also wasn't you know strictly uh, you know it wasn't also a power hitter. Uh, the other guy, man, I guess you could you could kind of go with uh, Wade Boggs. I think is probably the most comparable. I uh, didn't slug as high as Tony. Did get on base a little bit more. Hit for a little bit less uh, average, but totality of offense for those who like OPS plus, they're about the same guy. So I'd say Wade Boggs is probably the closest comp 
to Tony Gwynn. He's uh, he was the American. Yeah, but Wade League. Boggs is a dick. Is he? Yeah. Wade Boggs is like best friends with ex uh, and dead professional wrestler Mr. Perfect. Oh well. How could you not like that? So sad. Let's have another <laughs> fucking moment of silence. No, that's okay. That's okay. Perfect is at his chance. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, really, Wade Boggs is the only guy I know that they named the uh, American League batting title after Rod Carew. And I'm sure they thought, oh, that'd be nice. You know, we'll name it after Rod Carew and then name the other one after Tony Gwynn. Uh, Rod Carew had a higher on base. He did slug less than Tony. But, yeah, I mean, he's another guy. Maybe I was wrong. Uh, he didn't. A little higher on base, less slugging. So, but equally about as good as Boggs and Gwynn as an overall hitter. So, those are the two guys, I guess. Would be Rod Carew, uh, Tony Gwynn, Wade Boggs. I think those are those three types of hitters. Yeah, that's he's definitely in good company there. But I would... I mean, I would argue, I think you'd agree with me that he's better than all those guys. Yeah. But he's he's it's he's so unique that it's hard to find a, a decent comp. It is. And when so, I look at these guys' stats, I mean, Carew, don't don't get me wrong, Carew was very good up until his, I mean, even his last couple of years, he was still a, a solid hitter. Uh, the power kind of fell off towards the end, you know, the extra base power. I'd have to take a look at Boggs. I know he hit a home run in his 3,000th, uh, for his 3,000th hit. And, yeah, I mean, his power tanked a little bit too. But all of these guys, the only thing I could say for Tony that, he outbested them, even though he didn't play as many games. He had limited chances because of the injuries. Um, obviously, you know, there's always been that criticism. He never took care of himself physically, but he was always the best hitter on his team. I mean, arguably one of the best hitters. I mean, his last couple of years, I can't think of guys that are be, would be better. In fact, why don't I look it up and see uh, while we do that? But yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think uh, I think I'd probably give the edge to Tony just because he never really fell off. I no. mean, he never. He even, you know, when his health declined, he still didn't, you know, fall off. The power, the extra bases uh, never went away. I mean, his last three years, he played 111 games in 99. That was the year he got the 3,000 hit. That was the last time he did anything close to that. Uh, his last year, his the year before that, uh, as this stupid phone gives me some spam site, uh, the year after that, he played, I think, 30-some-odd. So he, I mean, barely played. And then the following years last year, remember, he got hurt, announced his retirement. And then just came back to jog on a bad knee and pinch hit. So he played 71 games, about almost half a season. Um, in his last three years, so 98, he slugged 501. He had a better year the year before, by the way. Uh, but his last three years, 477, 441, 461 in slugging percentage. If you're curious, that's 24, 10, and 27% above league average in those last three years. This is limited time. This is a guy who's he's literally playing hurt the last two years, and he's coming off the bench the last year. Yeah, I mean, playing had, hurt and coming up to the plate cold. He had 71 games in 2001 played. He had only he had 112 plate appearances. I'm going to imagine most of those, probably the last 50 or so, came after he got hurt. Yeah. So he's literally just coming up to get a pinch hit. He's obviously can't DH because he can't stay on the bases, and yeah, he's coming up cold and he's just absolutely raking. Um, I am going to pull up right now his numbers here for the uh, 2001 Potters. I just want to see how good he was as compared to the uh, the rest of the team here, if you'll just give me one second. And, I mean, we had guys like, uh, well, Nevin was the was by far the best hitter on the team. Uh, he had a great slugging of 588. Klesko was up there. But after that, you have guys like Mark Kotze, the underrated Bubba Trammell. Those were the next two guys. Actually, had a solid lineup that year. But Tony Gwent was better than those uh, next two guys. He was better than Kotze. He's better than Trammell in his Oh, last he was year. better than Mark Kotze? Yeah. Hey, oh, Ka- you don't say. Kotze was pretty good when he was with the Padres. He didn't do much, uh, you know, the second time around. But it just goes to – Tony Gwent was so good coming off the bench. He was still their, you know, probably their, their third best hitter. Yeah. At worst. And that's only because those other guys 
you know, Klesko and Nevin just hit bombs. Yeah, and if you've noticed, we are spending so much time on Tony because the current team sucks. Well, yeah, but we want to embrace the tank, but also nah, because I mean, it, was, it was Tony Gwynn Day. You know, yeah. the city should name his birthday, I think, a nas- uh, like a city holiday. Well, I mean, at, w- at one point, and I love Tony, but he has his own street. He has two statues. He doesn't need his own day. Yeah, he does. He doesn't. Tony Gwynn As Day. much as I love Tony, he doesn't. Well, the Padres should do some it. kind of Tony Gwynn giveaway day every year right around his birthday. Do something. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Or have him wear the brown and gold on Tony Gwynn's birthday since he said that that's his... That's, um, the uniform the Padres should be wearing. That's For what God's sakes, Padres, what are you doing? And he <laughs> said, get the brown and gold yeah, already. He said once they moved to blue and white, he felt like they were trying to be something they weren't, and they should just go back to the brown and yellow because that's what they are. Uh, but anyways, let's get on to what's going on uh, yeah. these days. Let's move these on parts to here. A, yeah to the uh, shit stain known as the 2017 San Diego Padres, who are uh, dead in the water to say the least. I'm kind of over it, dude. Like when I, I can't watch the games anymore. I don't watch any of the games. I just read recaps. I turn them on as background noise. Like I. Mostly go on the games to scroll well, through Twitter yeah. and ignore my fiance. Well, but, <laughs> see, I don't I'm have the kidding. option because I don't kidding. have a fiance or yeah. anything. I have no significant other. Yeah, uh, and also, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I also have a two-year-old to watch when I get home. So I usually have the Disney Channel on. So I usually just oh, I'm get. I'm sorry. Up. Yeah, it's okay. Well, I'd rather watch that and sing along and dance with my kid than watch the Padres wallow in their sorrows. So, uh, but we're going to touch on one specifically. Now we've touched on this guy pretty much all year. Eric was really upset that you missed the start yesterday, but uh, our next topic is uh, Jared Weaver, which I labeled, is Jared Weaver going to weave or is Jared Weaver going to leave? He's going to leave. Yeah, we think we all think so. I think yeah. he mentioned in an uh, interview yesterday by his locker that he would not be stunned, uh, and this is not verbatim, but wouldn't be stunned if he would be watching the next game from his couch or his next start from his couch. Yeah, and I think I think he's right there for sure. Yeah. But with Jared Weaver, he gives, he gives guys like me – Woods, uh, Ben Bruff, he gives us hope. Hey, Ben Bruff's pretty good. He is, he is. But (laughs) Weaver took an 83-mile-an-hour fastball, and he turned that into $3 million. I'm pretty sure Ben Bruff, and I don't know if Woodsy throws harder, but Woodsy has better stuff because I've faced Woods at least 15 to 20 times in my lifetime, and he doesn't leave anything up in the zone. Yeah. Whereas Weaver keeps throwing these floating fastballs up, uh, and it's killing him. He's had seven starts. The Padres have not won any of them. Now, win-loss, obviously, for Weaver – is not indicative of his performance. We have other numbers to show that he sucks. Well, he hasn't won a game, so that's pretty indicative. Yeah. But... Well, the Padres haven't won a game. He's only pit- yeah. I think he's only kept them in one game, which of course they lost. But I think that's more indicative of how good is this guy when you're leaving the game and you're not giving your team a chance. Uh, in the seven starts, he's thrown 35 and two uh, thirds innings. He's only walked eight, so that's pretty good. He's also only struck out 20, which is awful. That's so- higher than honestly. That's higher than I thought. It was. Really? I had no, like, how does he have 20 strikeouts? He's not even averaging three a game, guy. That's not that many. I mean, he could strike out the pitcher twice a game. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, there was that one game where he struck out Marquecas twice. Yeah. So, uh, earned run average, 6.81. Now, if that's not terrible enough, I always implore people, if you really want to see how poorly or how well a pitcher does, look at his runs against per nine innings. It's listed as RA9 on baseball reference. Because just because a guy reaches on an error, if that guy scores because the next guy hits a jack, it's not the defender's fault that the pitcher threw a meatball and the guy hit a jack. So he, the pitcher's still giving up those runs. They exist and they happen. So with that, Jared Weaver's runs allowed per nine is a whopping 8.33. He's giving up almost 10 runs per nine innings. Ouch. <laughs> and we, even for a team that's tanking, that's, that's, that's unacceptable. Ru- well, it's rough because even if you're tanking, at least with Richard, you know you can get... Four or five, five innings out of the guy. At least with 
Uh, Perdomo, who's kind of been up and down, you're going to get five or six. Like, you can get these guys to give up three or four runs through five or six innings, so you can get to the bullpen. The problem with Weaver is that, yeah, even if you're tanking, you have guys in the pen that you want to use, but you don't want to burn out, like a hand or a bookter um, or a mower, you know, guys that you want to be able to elevate their status so you can trade them. You can't do that if you're constantly burning them out there, either A, burning them every two or three games, and then they have to sit, or bringing them in, you know, non-high leverage situations where, you know, they're just kind of doing mop-up duty. Yeah, you're just, you're you're killing your bullpen leaving Weaver out there. I mean, he got crushed last night. I think he gave up eight runs uh, yesterday afternoon. Well, and, yeah, he gave up like five in the first. Yeah, did you see the home run Gallo hit? I oh, mean, yeah. He, it was a hanging breaking ball, and Gallo, I've... Never seen a guy swing that hard at a curveball. Yeah. I mean, just, it didn't go far, but it went really high. Well, the thing is also, people, like, they're starting to, people never show up to Petco anyways, but people for Weaver starts, and maybe it's just the timing of his starts, they're not showing up. Like, it's really bad. So I went to a Weaver start on last Wednesday, a week ago from today. And that was I, a night game, though, right? Yeah, it was yeah. a night game. And it was the lowest, I'm pretty sure they said on Twitter, the lowest attended game in the last, what, five years? Well, or I'm, even ever in Petco. I, I think you're right, though, because, you know, baseball, like any sports, you have to have players that draw. When the Padres had Jake Peavy and Adrian Gonzalez, they were a draw. People, you know, you had, you know, the people who lived in Otay, Chula Vista, uh, people coming from uh, TJ. Adrian Gonzalez was a draw for the Latin, you know, population, the Mexican population in San Diego. Jake Peavy was a draw because he was a homegrown Padre, he was their best player. He's obviously the staff ace. So people will show up to watch him pitch. Weaver was the same way when he was good in L.A. Um, even nowadays, you know, you have Will Myers. Will Myers will put butts in the seats because he's an exciting guy. Margot's going to be able to, I think, be that kind of player. They're exciting players. Um, Tony Gwynn, you know, the Padres, even though they were always terrible, they are always middle-of-the-road attendance-wise because they always had fun players to watch, whether it was Finley, Caminetti, Gwynn, Nevin, Klesko. They always had guys you can go to the ballpark and look forward to watching. Uh, they haven't really had that outside of Myers the last couple of years, but nobody's going to pay good money to go see the Padres when they know Weaver's going to. Yeah, start. when they know yeah. Weaver's going to start, and they know that they're going to lose. It's one thing if you and I go to the game, we know you know it's probably sixty percent chance they're going to win. Yeah, or they're going to lose. You yeah. know that's not terrible odds, but it, at least you know maybe it'll be fun. But when Weaver's going, you know right now they haven't won any of his starts. The probability of them winning a start for him right now is 0% as it stands. Yeah, and then yesterday, well, it, that one is the one where I say it's the timing. So yesterday, they had a 12.40 start on a Tuesday, Oof. and it was a Jared Weaver start. Uh, Woods posted a, a picture from the game, and I swear to God there was 12 people at the game. <laughs> there was no one there. Absolutely no one there. Yeah. So people, they're, they're not coming out anymore because, like you said, they know it's a loss. I mean, and he's boring as shit to watch pitch. He's, he's boring. Yeah, he's really boring to watch because it's literally home run after home run, and you can see it on his face. That oh, he's, yeah, he knows he's done. Yeah, he's. I think he's just, just riding it out, and that's why I think, you know, is Jared Weaver the kind of guy? Because he only got $3 bucks, and this is a guy that has been, was making, you know, 18 to 22, I think, and that's a, a guesstimate uh, over the last, you know, his contract that ended uh, after uh, last season. So I do wonder, is he the kind of guy that's just going to hang on and get paid? Or is he going to say, you know what, I just don't fucking have it. Like, I, I don't have it. I can't reinvent myself. I, I pitch the way I pitch, and it's just time for me to hang it up. Or does he wait around for the Padres to DFA him? Because it's not like they don't have other options. Maybe they, even if they brought up Walker Lockett, who's at best a six or seven starter, a depth starter, at least he's a young guy. If you're going to tank and get clobbered, at least get a young guy out there where you can hope that maybe he develops. 
you know, Colin Ray type. Yeah. Uh, so I do wonder if the Padres will DFA him or if, you know, Weaver, maybe they get together and they say, look, you know, we can DFA you and we can release you or, uh, you know, you can decide to just kind of say, you know what, I'm, you know, I, I had discussions with the team and I, I just don't, you know, it's not a fit. And I, I just don't feel like I have the ability to perform at this level based on my numbers. So I'm going to, you know, we've come to a mutual agreement to walk away. Yeah, but at that point, does if he retires, he forfeits his salary. Yeah, but... I know it's just $3 million, but that's still $3 million. And it's prorated, um, whatever he hasn't earned up to... <laughs> earned up to this point. <laughs> a lot of runs that have been earned, I can tell you that. But, I mean, he'd be stupid to retire. Yeah. If they're going to pay me, I'm sticking around. If you want to DFA me, if you want to I mean, cut me and get rid of me, even come pay to, me. Yeah, you know, the Padres... I mean, they can even come to an agreement where, look, we'll pay you... We'll just we'll just eat the contract because if they release him, they release him, and then you can just you know say it's a mutual agreement. You know we'll release you, and then you can retire at the end of the year, but we'll still pay you or do something. You know something maybe to save his dignity. Because yeah. I'll, I'll be honest with you, I do feel kind of bad because he's been awful. I don't. I, I feel I I do feel he's been he's a guy who you know he made it he's made it work the last year. Well, he was terrible last year too, but. This year, it just looks even worse. And he's in a wor- he's not even as good as a division. Well, maybe he is, but who knows. Anyways, uh, so that's really the, the topic at hand at this point uh, as we check out if uh, if uh, Weaver is going to hashtag weave or leave. Yeah. So we'll... Uh, I hope he leaves very soon. We'll touch base. I think he's going to be leaving. I'm shocked that this hasn't worked out, by the way. Yeah, it's stunning revelation. I can't believe it. The only reason I can think the Padres keep him around is like, you know what, we're losing and, you know... Let's see if he can break a record for homers given up. <laughs> uh, moving on uh, to our next topic here. So with Weaver, you know, hashtag Weaver leave. If he does leave, the next guy in line has got to be Denilson Lamette. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. And uh, we were going uh, over uh, off air about, you know, what we're going to go over outlining the show. Always a good idea. And uh, I put on here on my uh, outline here, Lamette or we lament because at this point, He's, he's By the about, way, you're the cheesiest motherfucker I know. I know. It's, you know, it's my Brian. It's a Brian Candy shout out. Cheesiest right there. motherfucker I know. I know. I know. I know. But, but yes, bring up Lamette. Yeah. Weaver's just taking away time. He's taking away starts from a guy like Lamette, just like you yeah. said. And it's not like we, it's not like you know Clayton Richard. Like I said, Clayton Richard, Cahill. Who the hell else is in the rotation these days? Perdomo. Perdomo. Oh, I'm missing a fourth guy. Oh, Chassin. Yeah, there you yeah, go. they're they're okay. You know, they're mediocre, maybe slightly less than mediocre, but they're not Weaver. With Weaver, you know, like we mentioned it just a second ago, if you're going to have a guy go out there and get shelled, at least give me a guy with some upside. To me, I, I think Weaver needs to go just because Lamette is about as ready as he's ever going to be. He's 24. Now, I know he signed, I think we would mentioned on the earlier episodes, he signed pretty pretty old yeah. compared to, you know, a lot of the other kids. I think he was like four or five years older than, you know, the average, uh, you know, Latin American signing. He was like 21 or 22. But he's 24. He turns 25 next month. He's been in the system long enough. He's in AAA again because he was in AA and AAA last year, I believe. Yep. And he's he's absolutely dominating. He's got a 2.48 ERA. Uh, it didn't give me his runs per nine, but it did give me his runs per game. So he's averaging uh, 2.79 runs per start is what his his average is. So that's not that's not just earned runs. That's just total runs. He's only given up one earned run all year. He's tri- Really, one and run all year, or not one? One earned run, excuse me. Oh. So all of his, I think he's given up nine runs. Eight have been earned, but that's in twenty nine innings pitched. And so, keep in mind, he's in El Paso too. Yeah, so it's not the easiest place to pitch. Not only that, the thing that tells me he's only given up one earned, uh, one unearned run, is that unearned runs happen because of you know luck and circumstance. You put the ball in play, things can happen. 
Nobody's putting the ball in play against this guy. In 29 innings, he struck out 38. Now he's walked 15. So, you know, you know. That's whatever. Yeah, you don't want to walk every, you know, that's about four and a half walks a game per nine. But that's something you can work on. But 38 strikeouts, you're, I mean, maybe he's not going to go deep into games. But if he comes in there in five innings and strikes out seven or eight of the 21 outs, or not 21, of the 15 outs he gets, bring him up. Yeah. Bring him up. I mean, what more do they want him to do? He's only given up 20 hits. So, I mean, I don't know how many hit, batters he's hit. But he's given up 35 base runners just based on hits and strikeouts in 29 innings. That's that's excellent. Bring him up at this point. And he's doing this in El Paso, yep. which is not an easy place to pitch at. Yep, exactly. So bring him up. Let him. Let's see what he's got. Let's see what he's got. This is the year for it. I can't. Well, I say it every single week. But this is the year for guys like Lamet. So bring his ass up. Throw him out there. Let's see what he's got. If he fails, guess what? You're out there. Fail. Succeed. You're out there to get experience. You're there to get seasoned. And, I mean, that's what this year is all about. Absolutely. In the worst-case scenario. He needs to be on this team. At I this, agree. There's no reason. I understand we're tanking. But there's no reason to have Weaver trotting his sorry ass out there when Lamette's down in AAA. Look, we know we're probably going to lose starts when Shasin goes, when Richard goes. And yeah. it's it's hit or miss with Perdomo, and, and honest, it's hit or miss with Cahill. Well, Lamette is a rookie, so you can't expect to win that many of his starts anyways. No, and you're not looking to anyways. The point of bringing him up, it's like with Margot. Yeah, we touched on Margot. You know, we want a higher than a 312 on base. But you're putting him in that leadoff spot, not because you want him to produce this year. Of course you do. But the point of putting him out there, the point of running Renfro out there and any other guy, that you know, young guy, Hedges, they'll run out there. Uh, by the way, Hedges did an absolute bomb the other night that you showed me. I just want yep. to shout out to him. Uh, as the handsome hedges. Careless whisper. Yeah, the careless whisper. Uh, but, you know, you run those young guys out there not expecting them to be all-stars or to be, you know, to hit their, you know, to be, you know, everyday regulars, although Margot's proving it already. But you run them out there because this is to develop not just for this year next year, but two, three years down the line. So, for me, I agree with you 100%. I think at some point they've got to bring Lamette up. Now, maybe they're playing the service clock uh, game. I doubt it. Maybe. He's, t- he's turning 25 soon, so yeah, I Yeah, so, it. yeah, you're probably right. By the way, Margot raises on base to 327 since I love last it. time we talked. Oh, good. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, he's been on a tear. It's an ever-ongoing. Of, he's, I don't even think he's been the on a tear. He's downs. just been consistent. Well, he had a few games where he got a couple hits in a row. Oh, there you go. a couple hits in a game. So. I, I feel like Margot, and this is really off track, but I just love Manny Margot. He's such an electric player. Uh, he's He has such good play discipline and makes so much contact. And he doesn't really swing at terrible pitches, from what I've gathered. That he might have a couple of games where he gets a ton of hits, but he's all constantly productive offensively, in between. So he's he doesn't really slump. Yeah. Because you know, say speed, you can't you know speed never slumps. Speed slumps if you can't make contact or you know lay off pitches. Margot doesn't have either of those problems in making contact so or laying off pitches. So yeah, so far uh, rookie of the year candidate, I think sleeper rookie of the year. Uh, we're gonna move on to something a little bit uh, bigger in scope and scale away from the Padres. I think it's the first time we've really talked about anything uh, this large. But uh, the other night, for those that may have missed it, and I'm sure most of us slept through about half of it, uh, the Cubs and Yankees played an incredibly boring, long arduous 18-inning game. Yep. Now, that's kind of the story, and we'll touch on that later. But the bigger story is that uh, Country Joe West was the home plate umpire. Now, Dog shit. Yes. Now, if anybody has a terrible reputation as umpires, it is Joe West and Angel Hernandez. Yep. If you know the umpire's name, it's a that's bad a thing. bad sign. Yes. Joe West is notorious for having a short hook, 
I'm pretty sure Hawk Harrelson would love to box him in a celebrity <laughs> boxing match. Oh, that'd be a good idea. Oh, man, I'd pay good money to see that. Yeah. Uh, but he's he's notable for, for he's Mr. Ump Show. I think he's the, he when I think Ump Show, I think Joe West, thinking everybody came out to see him and he's going to put on a show. Now, what I'm going to throw out here, people are probably going to push very, very hard back on. But you've come around. I've wanted it since the idea came about. The automated strike zone and Joe West's awful idea of said strike zone the other night, I think the automated strike zone has reached its time to show up in Major League Baseball. I think it has a better chance of being implemented if you call it the automated strike zone as opposed to robot umps. Because <laughs> when people hear robot umps, they're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. But if you see automated strike, and that was my initial reaction. Yeah, robot umps. Yeah, but when... Because whenever I the imagine Arnold ro- back there. Yeah, robot umps, I'm thinking of a big hunk of metal behind the catcher. Strike one there. Yeah. And when you look at it and you see Eric Burns, really all it is is you have a guy who's right behind the plate or somewhere in the park who the has bike. yeah, who has the strike zone right in front of him. Basically the K zone like ESPN had, yeah. where Joe S missed hundred and seventy pitches. Um, 170 strikes in 18 innings. Yes, 170 pitches that he missed. Oh, pitches, excuse me, yeah. not strikes. Now, really, if you have a guy, basically it's a guy who is somewhere in the park with the headset on, and he's feeding the correct call to the umpire. Hey, strike, ball, strike. Yeah, umpire's got a mic in his earpiece. That's all it is. You can't even tell. If you're watching the game, like, aesthetically, you can't tell the he, difference. The umpire, the guy calling it doesn't even have to be on the field. He can be in, like, the dugout of the, the umpire's dressing room watching the game. Yeah. So, you Wait, know, you mean the guy... Well, really, they the should... Guy with the, the guy doing the... The guy relaying the balls and strikes. Yeah, exactly. He could be wherever. Yeah. And he can put his ass in New York. It doesn't matter. But, yeah, you have... It's it's 100% accuracy. Or as goddamn close to 100% accuracy as you're going to get. Yeah. Because these zones are so bad. Now, just to give you an idea of how bad 170 missed calls in a in a game is over 18 innings... That is 20-plus missed balls and strikes per inning. Yeah. 20. Now, imagine. Now, that's – I mean, if you really want to divvy it up, that's 10 per top and bottom half of the inning. So you're giving Team A and Team B 10 missed calls, whether that – and those 10 missed calls, of course, are going to be random. So those 10 calls could go for one team. They could go against the other. But it's 10 calls that are clearly affecting the outcome of a game. Yep. So – I agree with you. I mean, there, you know, people want to talk about the human element and human Fuck error. Fuck the human element. Agreed, because the same people that say that are the same people that bitch when you have like this, you know, strike zone a foot off the plate. And they're like, oh, that's not a strike. Or people that didn't want replay were the same people that complained about that one play uh, against the Dodgers uh, when the Rockies were on defense. There's a ground ball hit. There's a throw to Todd Helton, and he has to dig it out. Oh, His yeah. foot's about a mile off the bag. But the umpire was out of position, yep. so he called him out, even though he was clearly safe. I bet Jim Joyce wanted instant replay back in uh, 2010. Yeah, exactly. Is, uh, exactly. Game. And Jim Joyce, you know, the poor. I felt so bad because he's so emotional about it that he blew it. But that's the thing is that you cannot complain if you want human error. Don't complain. It's like if you didn't vote. Don't complain about the president if you didn't vote because you didn't make your voice heard. If you don't want automated strike zones, if you don't want replay, if you don't want to get the call right and be accurate 95% of the time, then don't complain. Don't complain. Just live with the human element. If you're going to complain about the strike zone, we have a viable way to fix it. Viable way. You got a guy in the booth, in a booth somewhere with a headset on, the umpire's got a Bluetooth on, and you call a strike. Ball or strike, no arguments, no ejections, no fucking 
step out of the box to argue. Yeah. So hopefully that's coming. Now, the other thing we wanted to touch on because of this long 18-inning game was should Major League Baseball implement an extra inning rule like they did in the WBC? Yes. That's that's it. There's no yes no further discussion. Yeah, and for those for those of you listening behind the scenes, I pointed at the topic. I gave the cut sign like, "Hey, we're not going to do that." But I guess we can get into it there with our uh, co-host oh. here, uh, Christopher Columbus, sailing the ship. Oh, um, yes. I thought you meant cut off the strike zone talk. No. Oh, anyways, well, anyways, um, no. Or yes, I do want it. Yeah. I do want it. the 18 in games are crazy. I mean, it's cool as a baseball fan. I watched the whole fucking game. Ugh. Kelsey fell asleep in like the 15th or 16th inning. Oh, credit um, her for lasting that long. Yeah, so. <laughs> I'd have quit. Yeah, so, yeah, I want it because it speeds the game up. It's it, Well, not speeds the game up, but 18 inning games, those are dumb, dude. It's too long. It, the game it, ended. Two games. Yeah, the game ended with them intentionally walking Rizzo so that they could. Pitch um, to Kyle Hendricks. Pitch to pitch Kyle in. Hendricks. Yeah, to end the game. It's ridiculous. It is, and now you're playing, you're, you're sending pitches up. Hendricks is a big part of the Cubs. You know, yeah. What if he had gotten hurt or, you know, he's trying to butt and they hit him on the hand and broke his hand. Yeah. So, I agree with you. Now. Just throwing things out there. Would you do that immediately after the ninth, or because I was thinking maybe you can do it? You know, okay, we're gonna go nine, and after the eleventh, if we're still f- tied and you know the game's not over, now we're gonna start with a runner on first or runner on second or runners on first and second. Yeah, I was gonna say after the eleventh. Yeah. Because you get okay, so you get the tenth and you get the eleventh to try to do it the old-fashioned way <laughs> to win that way, and then after the eleventh, the way 11th, it should be. Yeah, after the eleventh, if you haven't done it, done. We're, we're going on to the – we're speeding this up. We're putting a runner on first. And then after that, we're putting a runner on first and second. That That's how we're going to do it. I agree. Because, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, 18 games, it's it's atrocious. Yeah, that is a great idea. So, um, yeah, I think that's good to go. We're going to uh, – no segue here, no fancy segment into our favorite topic, down on the farm. Hit it, Eric. It's time to check on in down on the farm with Danny and Eric. All right. Yeah, that was Eric on the banjo that time. He's been taking classes. Yeah, working Uh, hard. Yeah. So we tried to mix it up today because not that I get tired of talking about that stud known as Luis Urias, uh, big capital U, uh, or Cal Quantrill, who's just, you know, business as usual. Five innings, you know, a few runs, a lot of strikeouts. Uh, we want to touch on some probably lesser-known guys who we mentioned a little bit, uh, but I think will have uh, an impact because they'll they'll be up this year. I think both of them. Uh, number one is going to be uh, Phil Maton, who is a, a high inning uh, or high uh, high leverage uh, relief prospect for the Padres. Uh, he's been in the system. I think he was drafted. I want to say last year, or the year before, pretty recently. Yeah. So I think last year was his first full year. Now going into this year, his career strikeouts per nine was fourteen point five. So and this is a reliever. So he punches out a lot of guys. He's yeah, already, it's not too bad, I guess. No, it's okay. It's pretty yeah. mediocre. He's got 14 through 13 innings pitched this year. 3.46 ERA. Pretty sure he's in Double A. Uh, no, he's in Triple A. Is or I beg your pardon, Triple A. That's yeah. what I meant to say. A brain fart there. Um, but he's pretty close. And you know the Padres, they're not exactly deep on relievers. I mean, I know they have Torres, but he's still developing. Mayton, obviously, but they've got like the up and down guy in Quackenbush, but. Mayton obviously has, you know, he's got his, he's already got a foot in the door because he pitched a lot in spring training. Um, and you know that either Hand, Booked, or Maurer are not here in the long run. They're one of those three guys, if not a, more than one, is going to be traded at some point in July. Yeah. So you know Mayton, you know, he's probably going to be looked at as the next guy to step in. Um, 
really high marks from uh, MLB's uh, prospect uh, pipeline. They call his fastball an invisible fastball, so he can touch. Spin rate. Yeah, I don't know if it's spin rate or just he has a lot of run on it. So he's, he's mid-90s, got an above-average fastball with some run on it. Uh, he's got an above-average cutter and curveball combo, too. So that's always good to look for. And, again, high high leverage reliever. So I feel like he would be up right now, but I feel like they kind of have a log jam in relievers because they have Diaz, who they want to hold on to. Of Rule course. five, they have to. Yeah. They have Torres, who they still like as a lefty. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure he still has options. Yeah. Um, Torres does. And then they also have, like you said, so Bookter, they have Hand. And Maurer. Maurer. Which actually know. is showing, I believe, if I pulled the numbers, pretty decent three-headed monster in the back of the bullpen. We're yeah. all so blessed yeah. with seven, eight inning guys, even though, you know, seven, eight, nine inning guys, even though we suck. <laughs> yeah. So their bullpen is pretty good now, or else I feel like he would be up here. But for now, I guess, hey, I mean, get some more seasoning down there in AAA. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. He was a, um, if correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he was a big uh, college arm. Mm-hmm. Um, was Maton. So at this point, I mean, hey, he's just kind of sitting there waiting with, you know, playing with his nuts. Just, <laughs> yeah, just, just striking motherfuckers out. That's yeah. what he's doing. But, again, he's a guy, you know, he's around, I, I don't know his age, but I'm, he's probably drafted, he's drafted out of college, I believe. So he's probably 23, 24 tops. So he'll be up soon. I mean, I, I think you're right in, the, in terms of the log jam. They've got guys that they want to hold on to, they want to develop. Torres, I think, is up just because they feel like, okay, he needs to get innings up here now. He's been in the minors long enough. Yeah. So. But you're right. I think once they trade, once a deadline comes around and Hand is gone, um, Hand is gone, um, who else? Bookter Bookter, or Maurer. Maurer, yeah. I mean, that's when he'll get his shot. Absolutely. I agree. Now, the next guy we want to go over it, and I picked this guy because I feel like he's already close, um, and the Padres have – had a lot of trouble filling left field out ever since uh, Dickerson went down. So I think the next guy that's going to get a real opportunity at some point here, maybe at the end of this month, starting next month, uh, is going to be Franchi Cordero. Now the Padres did make a trade to get fourth outfielder Matt Caesar uh, from the Cubs and then obviously optioned down to Barry Blash. But I think that Cordero is the guy uh, that they're going to look to at some point this year for two reasons. Number one, he hits for a ton of power. He's got a 483 slugging. He hits, he's a 305 on base in AAA, whatever. But if you take a slash line, 305 average, 43 slugging, that's a Mark Trumbo line. And when you look at what Franchi Cordero does outside of the box, he's above average power, which is great. But outside of the box, he's got above average speed and above average defense. He was actually signed out of Latin America uh, as a shortstop when it didn't work out there for whatever reason. They stuck him in left field, and it has been a natural transition for him. So I do think that, you know, he's probably going to be next in line after however long they wait on Caesar or figure out what's going on with Dickerson to get a shot at that everyday left field job. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it. I was telling you before, I wish he could stick at shortstop because I feel like you have more of an option there. But yeah. left field is a black hole for us. Yeah. I mean, Blash sucks. Matt Caesar, who the fuck cares about Matt Caesar? Nice fourth outfielder. Solid fourth outfielder, but not an everyday guy. Yeah. Well, is Cordero going to be here long term? Do you want to give him that shot? Absolutely. I mean, mean, you got to think. He's already in AAA, so you got to think. Onya's not going to be up for three or four years. They don't really have any other outfielders knocking on the door. Yeah, they've got Buddy Reed, but he's got to develop a little bit because he just came out of college. He's got some things he's got to work on. Cordero's about right there. And the other thing with Cordero, too, is that he did fill in in center field a lot in spring training. So they obviously feel like, you know, maybe he's not an everyday center fielder, but he can go over there. And again, he profiles well as a corner outfielder. If you got plus, especially in left field, defense is not a, a, a premium in left field. You know, that's why when the Padres had Justin Upton, 
That was a plus to have a guy like that who's as good as he was defensively that year and left. You can get a guy like Cordero who can, you know, maybe he doesn't get on base a lot, but who hits for a lot of power according to the numbers and according to his scouting lines. Good defense, good base runner. That's a plus. I mean, it's not a plus player from an overall all-star standpoint, but it's a plus guy to have in your roster to bat sixth or seventh in your lineup and hold down a spot, like you said, that's been about as black of a hole as shortstop. Yeah. Especially this year. I'm down to try it. I kind of part of me wishes they would just give Cordoba more at bats at this point. Just throw him out and left. But if they want to bring up Cordero, whatever. Yeah. Just I, do it. I think with Cordoba they're just trying to trying to limit his exposure. Because he's gotten a lot more time than I than I had imagined. He's gotten more time than pretty much uh, any other of the rule five guys they've had. But um, I do I'll, think... I'll make an Ortiz headline. Cordero or Cordoba? No, no. <laughs> no? No, that, okay. that didn't work. That wasn't good. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it was a nice try. It was a good Orsillo uh, impression, though. <laughs> uh, but I think Cordero is probably the next guy up in line uh, to get a shot. So, uh, But that'll wrap it up here on the 5.5 podcast. We went pretty long, longer than I thought we were going to go. Yeah. Well, you know, if, for There's those of you... There's nothing I'm told all the time. For, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, we record these before work. And so we're actually running a little bit late, so we uh, get to go in now. And, boy, I can't wait. Can you? Yeah, I can wait. Yeah, man. Oh, man, I can't wait. I'm so excited to go in there. So, anyways, uh, find us on SoundCloud. Uh, Find us at um, americasfinestdigital.wordpress.com. Find me on Twitter at MiserableSDFan. Still no Twitter for Danny. Um, Nobody cares what I have to say. (laughs) That that couldn't be... Couldn't be more true than that. So we they have, probably mute my my uh, segments. I already have. I already have, and you don't even. Yeah, I already. And I've muted your Twitter, and you don't even have one either. So, <laughs> anyways, thanks for checking in with us. Uh, tune in next week, and we'll uh, continue this shit show. We'll uh, join the misery together. We'll see you next week. We're out of here.